Jesus came down with the twelve and stood on a level place with the great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea, Jerusalem, and the coast of Tyre and Sidon. They had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases, and those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And all in the crowd were trying to touch him for power, came out from him and healed all of them. Then he looked up at his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you, and revile you, and defame you on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day, and leap for joy. For surely your reward is great in heaven, for that is what their ancestors did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. And woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for that is what their ancestors did to the false prophets. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. Grace, mercy, and peace be with you from God our Father, Jesus our Savior, and the Holy Spirit our Sustainer. Laugh with me. <laughs> that, that was a real one. That was good. Now you got to groan with me, though. Oh. Oh. Yeah, I don't like it when this text pops up either. Oh. Blessed are you. Woe to you. And immediately we start trying to figure out who we are. Where we fit in. Let's connect it to last week's text. It was Jesus in Luke's gospel calling the first disciples. You remember the miraculous catch of fish, God's generosity and abundance overflowing into the lives of people that that didn't deserve it necessarily. Fishermen, and they left everything and followed Jesus. Their following immediately takes them into the belly of the discipleship beast, if you will, following Jesus' way. Following his way, they learn, isn't easy. It's maybe not everything it was cracked up to be or what they thought it might be. They encounter lepers, crowds consumed with diseases, church leaders antagonizing and conflicting with Jesus, constantly Pharisees and people who believed they knew how the law worked over and against Jesus. They encounter the healing of paralytics and cripples. They walk with Jesus as he breaks church law for the sake of someone's wholeness, changing everything, turning their world upside down immediately. He eats with sinners, carouses with tax collectors and other people who corrupt the disciples' sense of morality in the way that God works. And if you didn't know, when your holiness is corrupted... It meant that they couldn't walk into the temple or worship like they thought or worship like they wanted or think that God thought of them as God used to. 
And if that sentence didn't make sense, I did it on purpose because they were going, what? Their whole world was upside down. Crowds are following Jesus, and he set 12 of them apart as apostles. Even Judas, the betrayer, Luke lets us know. Someone Jesus knows from the beginning, apparently, who's not going to be right. And here they are today, now, with a great crowd, disciples, not just the 12, but a larger group of disciples, then surrounded by an even larger group of people who aren't disciples, but who are just in need, everyone, with diseases and unclean spirits, all in the crowd needing something from him, grabbing and grabbing and grabbing, because they're trying to get whatever he's going to get, grabbing. Hopefully that made you a little anxious. I wasn't sure how, 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 how far to take, take the, the speech, but it's supposed to make you anxious. The text shows this massive crowd of people all clamoring to get power from Jesus. And then he turns and he speaks to his disciples. With the crowd listening on, but his words are directed at the disciples, those who've decided to commit more deeply follow more intentionally and I can very well see that after this little message to them the discipleship crowd probably got a little smaller <laughs> Ooh. blessed are you woe to you Blessed are you, disciples, who are poor and who are hungry and who are weeping and who are hated and reviled and defamed because you're living out my way in the world. But woe to you who are rich and full and, and hungry, and, and he goes on. Now let's be a little careful here with the blessings and the woes, particularly the blessings. Blessed are you when people persecute you and revile you. Let's just be careful. It's rare for me to, to meet a modern-day disciple who doesn't think that they're in the persecuted group. This text hurts a little bit, or a lot. We tend to put ourselves in the group that's hated and reviled because of the Son of Man, Jesus, and the way that we're living Jesus out, but we always have to be careful. We have to be careful because liberals, progressives claim, who claim faith believe they're hated by conservatives and traditionalists for their way of living Jesus. But conservatives and traditionalists believe, who claim faith believe that they're being persecuted and reviled by the liberals and the tradition, liberals and progressives. And then where do you stand? We all think we're in that other group of people not liking us because of our way of Jesus. The being careful part is to hear Jesus' warning and make sure that we haven't created Jesus in our own image and he's just justifying the way we want to be in the world. And that's the, oh... Because it hurts. Because you got to remember who he's talking to. Disciples. His living body in the world. And the crowd is listening and we have to grab a hold and start trying to make sense of the story. And the way I do it is to look at the rest of the story first. 
Because there is the rest of the story. We see the rest of the story. Luke, Acts, played out. Acts, the dynamic, growing, involved church of disciples, Christ's body, and the end of Luke. The cross. Christ's suffering and death on the cross, sacrificially alone for the sake of the world. Raising up evidence of not only his love, but God's broken heart for the world. For people who are suffering and experiencing the destruction that sin wreaks upon everything. Destroying the lovingly created order of the world. Now when I say that Jesus has flipped the disciples' world upside down, he's radically reversed everything. He has, but he's made it right. The world's perspective is wrong. And somehow disciples are supposed to know the difference. But we don't. It's a hard struggle. And so I say we have to see the end of the story because we have to see Christ's death on the cross for all, for you. And then we remember the cross. We live in our baptismal promises and live out of them first that Christ has claimed all of you. For, for many of us, before we even had a choice to decide to be disciples or not, he laid his grace over the top of you through water and the word, and we remember that, and we walk in it, and we come here to the table today, knowing that whomever we are and however we are, we're welcome here to eat and drink Christ's grace and mercy and, and love because we're disciples, but so that we can be disciples. And then we remember that the disciples with Jesus left everything and followed Jesus. And at one point, they left Jesus and ran away from everything. But we're not there yet. We're at, they left everything and followed Jesus into this crazy, difficult, challenging job of discipleship. And he divided the group into 12 who were his inner circle and closer apostles. And then he divided the 12 later on. He, he divided them, but he made them bigger, and he took 70 and sent them out in pairs. See, discipleship's hard. It's a calling and a command, and it's not easy, and we're Christ's body in the world, and we don't get let off the hook by that. Jesus sent 70 people later on after this text out into the world to do what he does. To do everything that he does to this crowd standing around him. He sends them out to do that to heal diseases, cast out demons, make people with unclean spirits whole. And it's intended to give us as modern day disciples a, a, a vision. When you hear they left everything, and then woe to you who are rich and have it good, if you're like me, you start to feel guilty. Anybody? You don't have to raise your hand. I'm glad you can still laugh, because there's a jab here. It's a hook or, or, or a net, if you want to use the fisherman metaphor in Jesus' time. It, it grabs us and catches us and tangles us all up. 
Now, I can throw out all the cultural context and all of that stuff, but I'll, I'll boil it down. If you think that, that they left everything and followed Jesus and woe to you who are rich and have it good, if you grab that and think that it means that you have to give away all your hard-earned money and leave your job, etc., etc., so that you can really follow Jesus, you're mistaken. So that's good. <laughs> But if you think it lets you off the hook, you haven't experienced this text either. Or out of the net. Because we're still trapped. Oh. Discipleship becomes a beautiful bondage. A call and a command to be Christ's body in the world, living out his way in a world that's not going to like it. It's going to not see that the flipped upside down way of the world that you're living is actually the right way. That it takes and requires sacrifice and suffering because Jesus' way is just that different from the way of the world. But underneath Christ's radical reversal of life is the truth. That love wins. That life is the end. This is not political spin or misinformation about anything. This is the love truth of Jesus the Christ. And it's why the text hurts and has a yeah where we go yes and then we go ouch. But it hurts. Because that's what we share with the world. We connect to the world via the pain and brokenness that we're receiving, and we share with the world the liberating life and wholeness that Christ has given us, and it's often just confusing. In order to understand this blessing and woes, I'd like to point us back to the prophets for a minute and point out the text we heard from Jeremiah. Just listen. Blessed are you who are... Cursed are you. Listen to this. Thus says the Lord, Cursed are those who trust in mere mortals and make flesh their strength, whose hearts turn away from the Lord. They shall be like a shrub in the desert, and they shall not see when relief comes. You see, the point of the woes is that the people in Jeremiah living in the desert, it's not that help doesn't come. God is there, it's just they're so caught up by their own ways and the ways of the world that they can't see it. And he's saying, God is with you everywhere, but there's some things in life that are going to just make it hard to see. They won't see the relief when I'm there. And then he says, blessed are those who trust in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. They shall be like a tree planted by streams of water, sending out its root. It shall not fear when heat comes. And you realize that the tree by the water, it's not that it has the good life. Heat comes and drought comes and hardship comes and struggle comes. It's just that that tree sees it. And they know God is there. And they draw life from the real source so that they can continue to experience life. And blessed are you, and woe to you. But Christ, God, love, is still there for all. Woe to you who are rich. For because of what you have, you may have a hard time seeing God's presence and loving others like Jesus. Because you're consumed with other things. 
Woe to you who are full, for you will be satisfied and not see your need for God and might just very well not see other people as well and have a harder time. Woe to you who are laughing because you may forget that life is unpredictable and uncontrollable and you won't be willing to help others and then when trouble comes for you, they won't be willing to help you. Woe to you when others speak well of you for you just might believe it and forget that you have problems too. He's saying that to his disciples. Woe to you pastors and preachers and teachers who get paid. You may have a hard time speaking real truth to your congregations because what you get from them might influence you. I'll I'll do it to myself as well so you're not hanging there. There's a jab here. But I have to say it's lovingly. Because your Lord looks at you and he sees what you are, but he also names what you can be. And he doesn't say discipleship's easy. In fact, he calls it a yoke. Uh, 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 Getting tied up to the way of God to pull the load that Christ asks us to pull. A whole dedication to the radical love of God. But he wants you to know that it's there for you all the time. That God is present in your blessings, whether you see it or not. And that God is definitely present in your brokenness, whether you can see it or not. It's not the call to give till it hurts or leave everything and follow Jesus today. That's the gospel. The gospel is to know and experience. Realize that Jesus knows everything that you are. The broken parts of you that are blessed, that God's going to make whole. Or the, the blessed parts of you that God's made whole and blessing you through, but the broken parts of you too that God's claiming and making whole. So that you can see your whole life wrapped up in Jesus the Christ. Because he claims all of you, dear friends, And he's not just standing beside you, refusing to leave you. He's actually leading you into a future where your whole life is brought into God's grace, maybe radically turned upside down, but blessed to be a blessing for others. That you will help others experience God's presence through whomever you are and whatever's happened to you. And and discipleship's hard because sometimes we're that broken. We don't have the energy We need to drink deeply from Christ's loving water, and so we come here. But sometimes, when we experience that, we're full. And then we can share with others, and they both live together. Blessed people who are able to realize the truth about themselves and know that God's there all the time. The world isn't what it's supposed to be. But one day, through the love of Christ, it's going to be completely transformed. Disciples believe that in the midst of doubt and work to make it a reality now, trusting in the grace 
and the love and the forgiveness of Jesus the Christ that Christ promises through the cross has claimed all of you, blessings and woes. Thanks be to God. Amen.